And here I am, I have this beautiful woman who's honest, trusting, giving me everything that I've always said that I wanted, but I'm keeping her a little bit at arm's length. And I said, why is that? Why am I working so hard to keep crappy people in my life? And here's a beautiful person and I'm not putting the same kind of effort towards. I couldn't answer that question. So I actually ended up going to therapy. I was really happy that because of those experiences in my past, I was able to put my foot down and put myself first and say, I really like you, but this may not be what's going to work. Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. And so we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Greg and Natalia, Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Our pleasure, you guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is really fun. So before we get into your relationship story, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? How old are you? What do you do for a living? And how long have you guys been together? Sure. So um, I'm Italia and (laughs) (laughs) um, I am 39 years old. Uh, We have a 20-year-old son who is soon to be 21 in October. Uh, I'm an executive assistant, a.k.a. a CEO whisperer. And uh, I'm currently in the entertainment business. I work for a company who uh, does comedy and TV production and talent management. Your turn. Oh, I I was was transfixed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm 50. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Jeez, <laughs> time is flying. Um, and I, you know, I've been in the the health and fitness industry for the last twenty years. Um, I've gotten building my own brand called the Gym Sherpa, where I help people build home gyms, and I help uh, hospitality, uh, universities, uh, multifamily housing uh, implement fitness spaces. Um, I created a product, a fitness product. I was featured on Shark Tank. Pretty proud about that. <laughs> So, um, you know, I take uh, great pride in the physical well-being of myself, my family, and a lot of my friends and clients. Um, I also think that that leads into the mental well-being as well. So uh, I try to bring uh, a little bit of both that, uh, the physical and the mental, into uh, our relationship. And, um, you know, I feel like we've been pretty successful. And we've been together, what, 13? We've been together 13 years, married for eight of those 13 years. Yeah. Awesome. Lucky 13, right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been in the game for a good amount of yeah. time, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and for all your listeners out there, you guys don't know this, but 
Greg and I were fraternity brothers in college. That's right. So we I, go wasn't, way no, back. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're an open book, too. So. That's right. Awesome. <laughs> Can you guys tell us the story of how you met? Sure. Yeah. Um, that's a fun one. Uh, <laughs> There's two different versions of that. <laughs> you know, there usually are. It's kind of that's funny. Right. <laughs> um, so I, we met at the standard hotel in downtown Los Angeles. Um, they have a beautiful rooftop rooftop bar up, up there, um, overlooking gorgeous downtown LA. And I was there celebrating a girlfriend's birthday party um girlfriend's birthday and she uh her parents were treating us to lots and lots of drinks as you can imagine and (laughs) towards the end of the evening you know this guy walks in and i (laughs) i look over and like everything zoomed out right and i'm like i see him and so i point at him and i'm like hey i know you and I'm like jumping up and down, just super excited, right? Like somebody that I know just popped into this bar. And so I run over to him and he looks at me like he's never seen me a day in his life, obviously. And so I start popping off all these different places that I think I possibly know him from, like clubs and bars and um, male strip clubs. <laughs> and um, nothing is hitting. And so he was kind of being a little bit like, you know, off-putting. So I was like, okay, well, I'm really sorry for bothering you. I obviously don't know you and started walking away. And he, you know, his friend brought me back and, you know, we started chatting a little bit from there. A little bit of a little different version. (laughs) You know, I'm at the, I'm at this place and I I am, I'm standing there with my buddy. And then I see this very attractive, (laughs) tight fitting, large breasts, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to be sensitive to our listeners here. But it's the truth. This is, uh, um, yeah, just audio, and, right? And she is she is jumping up and down and pointing at me. And she's like going, I know you. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, no, no, you don't. Because I would remember you. And so this whole thing started to come together where she was talking to me. And I'm thinking that I can't, I, and I really didn't know like the place, some of the places that she was even right. mentioning. So I wasn't trying to be standoffish as much as I was like trying not to make it easy for her. And I went a little too far. I guess I was playing hard to get. And so my friend had to bring her back. But either what ended up happening was It was really cute. It was really cute though. We had, you know, we had a little bit of conversation over some like music artists that we like. So we loved the same type of music yeah. right off the bat. And um, so, you know, we're chatting and I said, oh, you know, you know, where are you from? And he's like, well, I'm Italian, you know, super proud that he's Italian. I was like, oh, never mind." And he's like, what happened? I'm like, an Italian broke my heart. I can't talk to you, right? I'm like trying to be cute. And this guy's like, well, maybe this one will put it back together again. Oh, <laughs> hey, uh, smooth, like sandpaper. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so we exchanged numbers. Yeah, we, exchanged we, had numbers. A, we had a date. Within like, a week, yeah, that's um, and we've pretty much never, you know, we've been together almost ever since. Yeah. So it's been great. So it's, that wasn't a line, like you really thought that a, you like, knew that's him. That's what we argue about. Right? I think it was a total argue. line, and she's like, "No, it wasn't a line." I'm like, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> no, so don't it, I know you? No, I didn't know him. But honestly, a few months later, it turns out he had been on an episode of Fear Factor, and I was an avid Fear Factor fan. Oh. And so I think that's where like my brain was like, "Oh, you recognize the face," you know? But um, no, I didn't know him otherwise. <laughs> no. 
How did you know that this was your person? I think, I was going to say, for me, I think what was really interesting about where we were in our lives at that time, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we were just coming, both of us had had some rough relationships. I think we both had been burned in a certain particular way that, that made us very sensitive to behaviors that we were reading and evaluating in potential, you know, um, persons that we wanted to spend time with. And so I think it just kind of came together. I'm the type of individual that, you know, is healing to the things that she was sensitive in. And she was the type of person that's healing in the things that I was sensitive in. So as an example, some of the people that I dated in the past were not very truthful, very dishonest people. And so one of the things I always say is like, you know, why can't I just find an honest person? And, you know, on our first date, she was very honest with me as far as like, she let me know that she had a son, which, you know, I've gone out with people before that had kids that wouldn't say anything till we were two to three months into something. And you go, whoa, hold on. How do you do that to somebody? So she was very honest with me up front. She had a five-year plan. She was very, (laughs) like, it was just great conversation. She was very open. It didn't feel like she was hiding anything at all. And it's, that was like, I was like, wow, that was so refreshing for, for me just on our first date. That's really kind of what opened the door to me really digging her chili and wanting to take her out on a second and a third and a fourth date. So it's just, that's what I mean. You know, it just, it, it blossomed from there. I mean, what about you? How do well, you do for it? me, despite his humor, um, I, <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> lack thereof. Um, no, I think he, he's definitely correct. And in, in, I think we're both in a spot relationship wise where, we each probably had finally set some boundaries that were needed and we knew kind of what we wanted out of a partner and what we weren't willing to accept in a partner. If we were going to move forward, I had pretty much decided, you know, as a single mom, I was like, okay, I've dated and a few of these things had not worked. And I was like, I'm just going to devote myself to my son. You know, I was like, I'm going to buy a house in a few years. It's going to be me and my kid. That's it. Right. We're just going to, that's it. And so when I met him and I started like really enjoying spending time with him, he was very kind hearted and, you know, funny. And I had so much fun with him more than anything. That's what it was. I just really enjoyed having fun and conversations with him. And so I think it was just really good timing and two people that were ready to have a healthy relationship and make sure that we were working towards that. So I think all that came together at the right time for us. Can you guys talk about your history before you met. You know, there's so many people out there that I think the whole dating thing is really complicated. I think it's even more complicated than it ever used to be. I think people have a very difficult time with those, you know, good relationship skills like honesty. What that was like for each of you guys on your journey and what you learned that actually prepared you to be in a healthy relationship. That's a really great question. My previous relationships were really, really loaded. I had my son when I was 18 years old. So I was super, super young. And that came out of a relationship that was very physically and emotionally abusive. And so obviously tons of lessons learned there. Aside from the fact that I was just really young and had no business being in such a you know, serious relationship, you know, you're still learning about yourself and um, identifying who you are, what you want in life in general. And so that I think was a huge learning episode for me. And then relationships after that, I think the biggest thing that I took from things that didn't work out in previous relationships was 
to make sure that I didn't give so, so much of myself without expecting some in return. I found myself really dating people that were selfish and I allowed that to happen. You know, I, I, I remember the last relationship that I was in before I met him, I remember writing myself a note and saying, Hey, you have to prioritize your happiness as well. Right. And I think that was a huge aha moment for me. And, and one that came in really handy, even as we dated and we started putting those boundaries together, we had a lot of conversations. Like when I met him, he was a big party guy and I was a single mom. And, you know, a couple months into it, I called him and I said, you know, I really like you, but I just don't know that our lives are fitting into each other here. Right. I can't go out with you every single weekend. I have a baby and I was really happy that because of those experiences in my past, I was able to put my foot down and put myself first and say, I really like you, but this may not be what's going to work. And so all those previous relationships in the past, as hard as some of them were for me to live through, thankfully, I took the time to learn some stuff from them. And that was, that put me in a much better position, I think, for both of us to be able to have a healthy relationship moving forward. Was was that just self-discovery or did you read a book or, you know, cause I think this is the common pathway for women. You know, we're so domesticated and socialized to be givers. And unfortunately I think uh, you guys can close your ears right now, but I don't think men are anymore. <laughs> you know, it used to be a thing where the, the dad or the society would teach you how to be considerate of women or gentlemen. And now it's like all this equal rights. So I don't know if I should open a door or not. And so that has kind of gone away. And we see this a lot, you know, and this can be women that even that are married for 20 years and they're finally going, you know what, I'm an empty shell, you know, and I've mm. been giving, 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 and there's just nothing there. And so how did you get there to where you woke up and you went, you know what, I think I should at least expect something back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for me it was definitely, I was responsible for more than just myself. Um, and that was a huge eye opener for me. I, I, a lot of it came with maturity as well. I met him when I was 26. So you know, now that we have a 20 year old, you really realize how immature you are but, still. But in your one of the things 20s. she said on her first date, because she was, she is 11 years younger than I am. She said, having a kid adds 10 years. Yeah. So we were, she, so that makes her 10 years older than me maturity wise. Yeah. Do the math on that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think for me personally, a lot of it just came from maturity over time and just realization. I, I don't, I don't remember, I don't recall like having any book and very little guidance. Also just like my family was not very, um, not one to like sit you down and say like, Hey, let's talk about this. You know, I did have thankfully a couple of aunts that played a huge, huge role in helping guide me through some of the difficult times. And I think that that's super important. And I try to play as much of a role as possible for um, other women in in my family, younger generations, because I think that it's important to have kind of like elders really help us grow. You know, you you really grow more from like learning from other people's experiences and not that we're always going to follow those, those tips and guidelines, but at least maybe if you've heard a story or two once you're kind of in the mud yourself, you might be able to go, oh, this is what, you know, my aunt was telling me about. I should get the fuck out, you know? Oh, yeah. sorry. So, so Greg, hearing that, you know, you were a big party guy, that, that's really surprising. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, you know, what is it that you learned from your past relationships that got you prepared for this one? 
it's funny that you asked that. So, so for me, you know, I met Italia. We had a lot of fun together. We were inseparable and I was still coming off of a relatively rocky relationship. And so I was in this space where I didn't want to commit. I just want to make sure this is what it was, that it was real. It got to a point where she wanted me to make a decision to, of, of greater commitment. She, has a, she had a son at the time. I understood that. I think for me, I couldn't answer that question myself. I was just continuing to go and go and go and go without actually looking into for myself the things that had happened in the past. So I woke up one day, I asked myself this question. I'm working, I've, in my life, I've worked really hard to keep some really shitty relationships in my life, right? You know, I can go all the way back to, to my college girlfriend who you may remember, right? And I like, <laughs> I mean, she was a terrible person. So, um, you know, lying, cheating, all that kind of stuff. And I worked extra hard to keep these people in my life. And here I am, I have this beautiful woman who's honest, trusting, giving me everything that I've always said that I wanted, but I'm keeping her a little bit at arm's length. And I said, why is that? Why am I working so hard to keep crappy people in my life? And here's a beautiful person and I'm not putting the same kind of effort towards. I couldn't answer that question. So I actually ended up going to therapy and I found a therapist. She was amazing sat down, really started to understand the dynamic of my relationship with my father and kind of why I would keep some of these people in my life. And as soon as that windshield got cl got cleaned off and I was able to understand it, it was like, boom, I uh, literally overnight, like clarity. And so I eliminated, I mean, friends, a lot. a lot of people in my life who were these really crappy people who weren't adding any positive value. And I really started to focus in on her and her son. And I mean, it's, I'll, I'll, it's one of the greatest things I've ever done for myself to invest in my mental health that way. So I learned a lot about my past relationships, relationship with my father and how it manifested itself in my life. So that, I mean, little different road, but we ended yeah. up at the same place. So yeah. that is amazing imagery, you know, clean up that windshield, you know, yeah. and so that you can focus and, and, and see more clearly. And, and I think that for men who become more in touch with themselves and, and become more insightful, it does take a woman to kind of prompt them to, to delve deeper, right? The, the couples that we've worked with typically, you know, 80 to 90% are usually prompted by the woman in the relationship. And we need it. We need that a kick. Of, a lot of testosterone there. I don't need help, man. I'm good. <laughs> Going back to what I was saying, like, who's guiding the men today? You know, there isn't yeah. guidance. There's fraternities, which I'm sure that taught you to be gentlemanly. And <laughs> to a certain degree. Right. <laughs> and so, so there's not, there's a lot of support for destroying your life mm -hmm. and for doing things that make you feel mentally unwell, physically, emotionally, not so good, but not yeah. a lot of support to be, you know, a mensch. I don't know if you guys know that word, like a real mm -hmm. great guy. Yeah. 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 I think, I think uh, a lot of that has to do with, you know, uh, men's fear of opening up and feeling vulnerable. Um, and I think as soon as you understand that vulnerability is actually a strength, Mm -hmm. It's power. 
you know, you can get past that. Um, you know, one of the really cool things that I did at, when I went through this therapy, it was a one-on-one, -on -one, but after I kind of went through, you know, several, several, several weeks of this, she asked if I wanted to participate in group. And I said, okay, yeah, let me do that. So I participated in a group session and these were multiple sessions where each person would take a turn. And I learned even more about myself that way not just personally, but how I show up in the world as a man, because I was utilized in those group sessions as the boyfriend, the husband, the father to some of these other people. And it makes you realize, hey, you know, not only is, are, is the world having an effect on me, I'm having an effect on the world. And so you really causes you pause to think about, all right, how am I treating her and how am I treating my son and how am I treating others around me so that I can show up in the world as a man should. Right. So I, I find it one of the, again, one of the best things I've ever yeah. done for myself. We're huge, huge proponents of people seeking therapy. I mean, even, even myself, after we were in a committed relationship, you know, mm -hmm. I still harbored a lot of issues with like abandonment and, you know, um, trust and things like that. And so I went and got therapy as well. And I, it was the best thing ever. And that's something that we talk to our son about all the time and to his friends to let them know this is, it's a good thing and you should do it often and do it as a tune up even, yeah. right. Don't wait until something, you know, don't wait until the alarms are sounding, just go and, and yeah. talk to someone. It feels good. And, and, um, it's an important thing for us to do as, as, as individuals. Yeah, that's why we do the weekend intensive for that reason. Oh, right on. I, I want to talk a little bit more about what you said about vulnerability as a strength, because I think those are lovely words that when you understand them, you feel the intense depth of it. But if you think about your prior relationships and you're not being vulnerable and you're in so much more pain yeah. and it's vulnerability that leads to safety and connection as opposed to the opposite, it's like weird in your head to think like that, that like if I'm open and honest about what hurts me or, or what I care about, I'm going to be safer. <laughs> it's sort of yeah. crazy. So can you talk more about like that part of your journey? Yeah. I mean, I think it was difficult. I mean, I've been relatively open on certain things and then other things I, I wasn't, but I think when, where I was and having these people in my life that were you know, crappy people being vulnerable to them caused pain, right? Because they would use that against me or, you know, they, and, and so when you have that kind of experience, then you don't want to become vulnerable around those people. And then, you know, because you keep seeking that seat, you know, for me, I kept seeking out kind of these cold, distant people. And, you know, when you have a cold, distant person around you and you try to become vulnerable, they're kind of, they're, you're getting stuck. So eventually you start to learn, well, maybe I shouldn't be vulnerable. And that's not the right answer. The right answer is maybe these crappy people that keep stabbing me and hurting me, maybe I shouldn't just be around them. Maybe I should find some other people who, when I do become vulnerable, you know, they welcome me. You know, they show me love. They don't give me pain. So, I mean, it, it was a lesson it was a hard lesson to learn, but I'm glad I learned it. You know, slow learner, Ray can tell you that. <laughs> but eventually I did learn that lesson and I've never been happier. So I, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, that's really awesome. That idea of, you know, we don't learn to vet people, right? And so you kind of alluded a little bit like maybe your dad wasn't really available. And, and we replay that as adults for sure. Because our first yeah. template is parent-child. 
And we do, we make the, the right decisions with the wrong people and then the wrong decisions with the right people. Right. Oh my gosh, yes. And to get that template, like through therapy and, and through really diving into that and seeing that with other people is absolutely, I think, the latter mm-hmm. to get out of that situation. And, and one yeah, of the right. fallacies that people believe is that, you know, if I protect myself, if I'm not vulnerable, I'm not going to get hurt. But it doesn't actually prevent it at all. You still well, get yeah. hurt. Right. Well, you, but the other thing, too, is that you don't, you're not open to receiving care and love. Exactly. If you're closed off, right? Exactly. So, so how happy can you truly be if you're really not letting anybody in? You know, it's, it's, it, it's one of those things that was so impactful to me. And, you know, that, you know, I created a little bit of a philosophy and I passed mm-hmm. that down to my son, you know, and I try to keep it simple. So we try to live our lives by three things. And the first thing is doing the right thing. And we know what it is. Sometimes it's hard. You have peer pressure or there's money involved. The second is letting people know that you care. And you can do that by word or by action. There's, you know, showing up early to football practice, right? Shows that your team that you, you care, your coaches that you care. But the third and final piece is, and this is where I feel like it's hard for a lot of people, is to make sure that those people care about you in return. And if you have somebody that is, hurting you or not allowing you to be vulnerable. And you have to kind of look at that and go, that's that third piece. Should I really be in a relationship or a friendship, whatever that might look like with this particular person? And so I think that that has served us pretty well. And I think it's what's been beautiful is being able to pass that down to our son. I think that that's served him well too, Mm because, you know, you have these things in high school and he's in college now where, you know, all these things are happening and rumors and, Instagram and this is happening. And it's like, you know, we could always come back to that conversation yeah. and he would realize like, yeah, that person's showing me that they don't care and he's a better man for it. You know, Greg, what was it like committing to this relationship and, you know, there was a child involved? Well, that was part of the problem, right? I, and I'll be honest with you. It was always a deal breaker for me. It really was, you know, somebody said, well, I don't want to date a single mom. I don't want to, I want to have my own kid. I mean, that's, that was my thought process. Mm -hmm. And when I met her, you know, and she was very honest with me and now I'm kind of dueling out this, well, I really want this honesty here, but damn it, she's got a kid. What do I do here? (laughs) And I, and I'm just being real, but um, you know, and as we continued to date, this is also where that therapy came because the relationship that I have with my father trying to, to get what I needed as a young man is manifesting itself, not only in the type of women I choose, but also kind of had some fear of actually becoming a father. And so once I, I realized I was able to open my eyes, clean off my windshield. And I saw that I committed to her like that. I was super excited about the opportunity to be a father figure to Tommy um, he jumped on the chance immediately. I mean, it was just it, it, the switch. I just flipped. So I think for a lot of people, it could be a challenge because I don't think it's it's a commitment that a lot of people are willing to take on. And maybe it's because I don't know why that is. For me, it was fear. Yeah. Right. It was not wanting to repeat and go through the pain of the childhood trauma that I had had with my own father. So. But once I was able to deal with that, then I could open the door to, to being a father to a wonderful, wonderful young man. Yeah. Once he committed to that and, and 
to take that step with us um, together. It was like a few months after they met, they finally met. And, and then a few months after that, he was the one that was proposing adopting him legally. Yeah. So I actually asked him if it was okay to marry his mom. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you know, Greg, but when uh, when Jean and I met, Jean was a single mom as well. No, really? Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, she had a nine-year-old son. And when I was going to propose, I asked Alec for if I could marry her too. So I, I did the same thing. So this fraternity that we were in did some good stuff for these young men, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> well, we have the opposite of the age. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. yeah. When we met, I was 30 and he was 24. No well, way. Well, you still look younger. Thank you. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was an interesting thing, you know, for us as well. The age equalizer for us as we were in the same place in terms of our career and our education mm -hmm. and so that piece worked because I had my son mm -hmm. when I was young and, it, and I was on a delay with that kind of stuff so but yeah how was it for you and Tommy to go through being single and how would you know when you could introduce a guy into his life and how did you navigate all that? Um, again, definitely learned a ton from my previous mistakes. I think, um, you know, my, our son is like just the sweetest, kindest kid. And so, although I never felt like we needed a guy in our lives, I always felt like it would be a really great addition and more so in the sense of just like sharing our lives with, you know, this, you know, individual that we, I think both of us imagined but by the time I met him, you know, I was really set in my boundaries and what I wanted out of a relationship and what I was willing to do. And I, I really, really made sure to take care of him and to protect him from having to go through another process like this of, you know, meeting someone. And so we dated and I, you know, my son knew that I was seeing someone and, you know, I would always tell him like, he's a really nice guy. Like I'm going to go out and see him today and things like that. I was always very, very open and, and uh, communicated with him often, especially when I was leaving him somewhere, you know, with my aunt or whatever. And as I was continuing to spend more and more time with him, then I started introducing a little bit more information about Greg to, to our son, Tommy. And then eventually at a, once he decided, okay, yes, I think that this relationship will develop and we could, you know, see a future in this together. Then we started having discussions. And I think it was about six to eight months after um, we first met that we were like, okay, it's time to do this. And so we both went into it very, very um, carefully. The one thing I did with my son is we would use like a temperature gauge, right? So let's say, you know, uh, we we come and spend a weekend or something. And so on the drive back home, be like, hey, bud. So like, what do you think? Like on the temperature gauge, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, it's getting warm, you know, it's, because it was so bad, you know, and then another weekend would roll by and, and I, I'll never forget, like we were driving home one night uh, or one afternoon. <laughs> and so I checked in with him and was like, Hey, you know, did you have fun? How was it? And he's like, mom, I think the temperature gauge broke, you know, cause he was like, it popped off, right? We're good. Like he felt good about it and everything. And so that was really important for me. And I always checked in with him and was like, listen, like you're the most important thing in my entire world. Like if at any point in time, 
you don't feel comfortable, if anything makes you feel like you, you don't like this, like whatever it is that you see, like you let me know and this is done. Like that was very, very clear to me at that point. I was not willing to go through those mistakes again with him. I was just like very dedicated to making sure that anything that we did, it was me and him. So that was kind of like what I did is to always just check in with him and always remind him that it was me and him all along. And that at, at any point in time, he could tell me that something was not cool and we were done, that that was not going to affect how I felt about him or anything like that. I was like, no questions asked. I wanted him to be able to have the, the ability and comfort to say, Hey, you know, I'm not comfortable here. Um, and not, you know, cause he's so kind too. like, if you, when you meet him, which I hope you do, <laughs> you'll see, he'll, he'll always just like whatever you want. And so I wanted to make sure he knew that it was whatever he wanted too. And so that was one way that I kind of gauged that situation. And I think too, like, just from my perspective, I think it's important to understand, especially if, you know, if you're going to be dating a single mom mm -hmm. is that, you know, you're not number one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're not, and you're not going to be. So, so it was, it was kind of important, at least, you know, for me to recognize that, you know, I'm second fiddle in this whole relationship and it was okay. I wasn't, you know, it didn't bother me, but, you know, I wanted to make sure that relationship stayed whole and I didn't want to try to do anything that would disrupt that at all. I just wanted to add to it. So, you know, not trying to come in and like, Hey, well, what about me? And what about me? And like, you know, I realized very quickly that, you know, I was, I was always going to be number two. <laughs> but I think that that's true also, <laughs> you know, of just as mothers in general, like I was always very open with him. We had a conversation about having other children. Um, we've since decided not to add to our family, but even then I wanted him to make sure that it wasn't anything like personal. It was just like, I'm a mother first and foremost, I, I feel in my heart. And then I'm a woman. And so even if we had children that were biologically shared, I would still feel the same. Like if anything, <laughs> if, and you know, if I ever felt my child was in danger, it'd be like, sorry, you know, yeah. whether, whether it's biologically his or legally only whatever it's, um, that's just how I see my role as a mom, as a mom. I think that is true of all parents. And I think that is the most difficult transition for men once they have a child is they don't get it that they don't get to be number one anymore. And it, they, sh and they compete with their kids. Mm -hmm. And I just want to take a moment to say to you guys who stepped in and stepped up Aww. and really helped create great men in the world. I second that for sure. Oh, now it's a crisis. <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> <laughs> You're crying on your own podcast. <laughs> but you know what you were saying about being a single mom and thinking you don't need a guy and your son did and my son did and what mm -hmm. you taught him. And I'm sure what you've taught your son is we can't teach him how to pee standing up, you know? 1,000%. Well, yeah. And it's you know, it's, it's a relationship of... I made my son sit down because <laughs> we'd pee all over the seat and we'd have people come over and you're like, dude, <laughs> can't do that. Dude, if you can't, just, just plop it down. It's okay. <laughs> See, who can teach him that? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, being a step-parent, um, it's, it's, it's a very unique relationship, mm -hmm. you know, being a stepfather. And it is a relationship of choice. 
And that's where the power of that relationship comes from, right? And I remember one of the one things I absolutely wanted to make sure was that Alec could always depend on me, right? That what I say is something that I'm going to do and that he's never going to have to guess, you know, at what my intentions are, you know, and, and that's really powerful. That's really something that, you know, I, I think biological fathers out there, they, they kind of take things for granted and they don't really know the power of the relationship and power of their role. You know, and step parenting, I think it really shines a light on that opportunity. You have to be more conscious. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I'm, I, for one, I mean, um, and I'm sure you, you might feel the same way. For me, one of the things that I, like to this day, I'm so grateful for with him coming into our lives was the ability to just be a mom, you know, because like, when you're raising a kid on your own, you have to be mom and dad. And there's so many times where sometimes you just want like, Hey, am I doing this right? Can we just talk it out? And you have no one else or the fact that you have to be disciplined with them. And all you really want to do is hug them, but you can't because you have to teach them the discipline lesson. And so I think what I loved the most, one of the things that I love the most about him being his dad was that I got to be a mom you know, that I got to just be the nurturer Mm -hmm. and caring and be able to just play that one role because it's a lot to have to play both roles. Right. It's a lot. Absolutely. All right. Let's switch to something more fun. (laughs) (laughs) How'd you guys get engaged? Oh my gosh. It's the cutest, cutest story. You have to tell it. So, so, well, first I asked Tommy for his permission. I said, you know, what do you think? And, you know, he gave me his thumbs up and I, I asked him if he wanted to help participate in the proposal. And of course he did. So I sat down with him and we tried to figure it out. You know, obviously I think, what was he nine, 10? He was 10. 10 at the time. Um, so our options were limited, <laughs> right? Like, you know, it's, you know, there's certain places we obviously can't go. And so we just tried to make it as simple as possible. But what we settled on was it was around Halloween and he had, um, he was in middle school. And so he had a, had a Halloween party. So the whole idea was that he, you know, he was going to, we were going to scoop him up from the Halloween party. And then we were going to go to Santa dinner. Monica place and we were going to go to dinner. And so uh, we were meeting like eight or nine, six, six to eight, six, eight more people. And so one of them was a photographer, <laughs> my photographer buddy. He carried his camera everywhere. So that so, was just like normal. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so this was meant to be a surprise. Um, so he was there. And so he had all of the, the pictures going. And so the, the whole idea was to come in and then Tommy through the dinner, I was going to give him a wink and he was going to get into his Halloween bag. <laughs> And in his Halloween bag, he had all these things. And one of the things that he had were spider rings. So he was, he had enough spider rings for everybody, but me. So that was the plan, right? So the plan was to get out and give these things to everybody and then come to me and I'm like, buddy, where's my spider ring? And he's like, oh, I don't have one. And then I was gonna, I went around the table and I'm like, hey, Derek, give me your spider ring. And he's like, no. You know, Bia, give me your spider ring. No. And it went all the way back to Natalia. And Natalia said, you know, you know, here, get, you know, I asked for a spider ring and she said no. And I said, well, how about if I trade you? 
And I said, this ring for that, that one. Ring. And I, had, I maneuvered my way around onto my knee and it was beautiful. And we have <laughs> pictures of it where she starts crying and it was a, an amazing moment. I and was so, super amazed that a 10 year old was able to keep this secret from me. <laughs> oh my gosh, he almost blew it. <laughs> But he pulled it. He I almost had blew no it. idea. He almost blew it. We're at we're at the restaurant <laughs> and we're out front waiting for our table. He starts digging into his bag to start showing everybody stuff. I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he, did, he did such a great job. I mean, I had no idea. He just like started popping out all these cute little things from the Halloween carnival he was just at. So everything just fit right in. And uh, yeah, sure enough, he asked me for my spider ring, and I was like, nope. <laughs> 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 Today is actually our engagement day from when, Aww. well, we have two because he asked me on the ninth without, without my son there. He's like, he couldn't, he's the one who blew it. <laughs> so I went like this with the ring and I never looked at it and I gave it back to him. And then Aww. on the 11th, that yeah. was, yeah, then it was uh, the proposal with Alex. So he was, <laughs> awesome. he was well, happy anniversary yeah. to you. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that was 23 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my wow. Goodness. Yeah. That's awesome. That but I, I, I involved Alec in all of it too. He actually came with me to go pick out the, the diamonds and the, you know, the Ooh. setting and everything, you know, so, right and on. he kept that secret too, which was yeah. amazing. Was wild. <laughs> How excited yeah. was he? He was very excited. Yeah. Yeah. That, that for me, I think was one of the most incredible feelings ever was just like how happy it made him like just added to the experience. You know, it's, I think as a girl, you always think like, oh, my God, when am I going to get engaged? I'm like, you imagine all these different scenarios. And I don't think anybody ever imagines like their son being part of it. But I honestly would 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 not change anything about that because like seeing how happy he was and like the next day he had a football game and he ran to his football team his coach told us that he ran and was like my parents are engaged and he was so happy and that just was honestly the best thing ever i think especially when you have an unplanned pregnancy you kind of your future sort of shatters yeah and then to have the story is yeah it's a big We're deal. definitely super fortunate. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I agree. And and Alec came with us on our honeymoon as well, mm-hmm. right? We yeah. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I I really didn't want him to feel like now that we're married, we take off and we leave him, right? Right. Yeah. So we wanted him to be part of that. So. But we go yeah. on it. We go on a honeymoon every year since yeah. then. Yeah. So. I love that. <laughs> Without him. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I I I love that hearing that Ray, because I think it's just so beautiful. You know, we did the same thing when we actually got married. The whole idea was to try to do an adoption and marriage ceremony, you know, to present the the family. Unfortunately, we couldn't work that out. There's, you know, some details around the adoption thing that made it a little bit more difficult, but he was definitely, he was my best man, Mm -hmm. which was cool. Mine too. And um, I actually, not only did I give marriage vows to her, but I, I, delivered a set of marriage vows to him as Mm -hmm. well, which was pretty cool. So it was a beautiful moment in time that I'll never forget. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that, that, uh, be a father to this wonderful child. And 
you know, I, I'm really, it, it's just so heartwarming to hear that, you know, really a, a longtime friend has gone through something similar. And I, so I, I applaud you, brother. I really do. And, and I'm grateful to be sharing in a similar experience with you in that. That's awesome. Good for yeah. you too. You uh, have changed quite a bit. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> kind of. Maybe. I might have matured a little bit. That's it. I cut my hair. <laughs> so it, what have been uh, some of the challenges you guys have kind of run into, you know, from mm-hmm. engagement on? I mean, I think parenting was definitely a huge struggle for us um after moving in together i think and you guys maybe can attest to this as being a single mom for so long as much as as much as it was great to not have to be mom and dad i think it was really hard to give up mom and dad responsibilities um and having you know another person parent your child i think is really difficult and it took us a while to figure out a way to make that work, right? I think it took a while for me to to understand discipline coming from somebody else other than me is okay. And I need to let that happen and not jump in and try to like protect right away. Um, and also, you know, that takes away his, not his power per se, but like his, uh, his image in, in our son's eyes, right? That he is also a parent and is also to be listened to. That was, I think, probably a really, really huge, you know, obstacle that we went through, uh, initially. I think in addition to that, we came from two different worlds, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, the way that I was parented and the way that she was parented, I mean, opposite ends almost. And so, you know, I had a, a much more structured, um, disciplined, you know, upbringing. And so in trying to deliver that, you know, we kind of had to try to get on the same page you know, mm-hmm. so to speak with those. And then I think the other piece is that, you know, I had so much that I wanted to give and teach him. And there becomes a point where I think as parents, and and maybe I'm wrong, I'm just, this is just a theory that I have, but I think it, it's a little bit harder for women. I, and I could be wrong. If I am, go ahead, just <laughs> tell me I'm good with it. I think that parenting is to, you need to protect the child up until a certain point. And then I feel like protection becomes detrimental. And I feel like you have to start preparing because at some point they're going to leave the nest, you know, they're going to go into the world. And so what tools have you given them to survive? And so I think in that, that there was a, we both agreed that that's something that needed to happen, but it was like in that transitional period, when to make those judgments as far as when to protect and when to prepare we had a little bit of issues on yeah. those things, but, you know, I think the main thing that, you know, we had as parents is one is that we never fought in front of Tommy ever. ever. We never called each other names. We never were like mean or, you know, uh, mean spirited, malicious, any yeah. of that kind of stuff. I think, you know, we, we developed a trust and really good communication. And so, you know, eventually we would work these things out Mm -hmm. and, you know, we would come to a conclusion of what we thought would be best for our son or our relationship. And we didn't always agree. There were definitely times where I did not 
want to go through with whatever he was proposing and I, but I would still say, okay, I'm going to let you have this and, and see what happens. And then I'll step in if I, if I don't agree with how it's going and vice versa with him, there are times where I really, you know, put my foot down and said, no, this is how we're going to move forward. And I think that that's just kind of for us, you know, we always believe in balance, right. And there's times where he's going to have to make the decision and times where I'm going to make the decision. And we just kind of have to trust and see how it goes. And we were also really honest with Tommy. Um, you know, I remember one time just talking to him and saying like, Hey, you know, we're, we're learning how to be parents as well. Right. Like as soon as you get the handle on something, <laughs> then they go into their teenage years and you're like, how the hell do I parent a teenager? And then, you know, you kind of get the handle on that and then they're 15 and you have a whole new set of, of, of issues. And so we're always really open with him and would have conversations about like, Hey, you know, we're trying our best, you know, you talk to us too. Um, and let us know, you know, what you think is this fair? Is this not fair? Um, so communication was always something that has been super important to us, not just us back and forth with each other, but also with as with a family. Tommy, yeah, as a family. Yeah. yeah. I would agree that, um, when you're a single mom, especially to a boy, it's a little blurry lines you know, cause there's sometimes it's us and it's mm -hmm. not parent child so much. And I know that that was, especially at that age, that nine, 10 year old age, that was getting to be, like you said, you can't just protect, you can't just nurture, you can't just, you know, and I was over, over momming probably. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he comes in and he's able to go always be included. They can't always you know, be elevated to that status of the us, you know, and I think that's a really important thing that's really difficult to navigate when you're a single parent. Like oh. you call it date night when you go to the movies with your kid. It's a weird <laughs> thing. It's like, hey, we're going out, you know. And <laughs> so absolutely, I would agree with that, that there's, and you know, maybe it's the dynamics of it's a son and mother and it may be different with girls. I don't know. I haven't parented any, any girls. But I would absolutely agree with that, that that's a tough thing to navigate. Yeah. How did you guys decide to not have more children? Well, um, I, I think it was just kind of luck. <laughs> um, you know, so there was a really great, you know, conversation that she and I had had, which was, you know, like 50% of me wanted to be selfish and say, you know, I want to have a child with you. Right. But also there's a 50% of me that realized that, you know, she had Tommy at such a young age that, you know, if we have a child now, is she going to be able to go out and experience a lot of the things that she couldn't do as a single mom, like travel or, you know, those kinds of things. And so, you know, that was, I was kind of like back and forth and she felt the same way. I mean, there were 50% of her wanted to be selfish and say, Hey, I want to travel. I want to go do stuff. And then the other part of her wanted to give me, you know, the opportunity to be a, a, a father again. And mm -hmm. so really, I think we couldn't decide. We couldn't. So, so we pulled the goalie and we let nature take its course and it didn't, it, it never happened. So then it got to a point where, you know, I'm 50 now and I decided to, okay, now it's too late. Let's shut the factory down. So the factory yeah. shut down. We're good. We, but I yeah, think we were, I think we were. I really wanted to, I, I thought I really wanted to have another child. When I really took the time to sit down with my thoughts, I think what I really wanted was to experience pregnancy again. 
in a different way, right? Like my relationship when I was pregnant originally was not good. It was not loving. It was not supportive. And I think I really, really wanted to be able to, and of course, and I was 18. So you can't, you know, you're just, it's not the way it was meant to be. And so I think I was really stuck on the fact that I wanted to experience that again with, you know, my husband and someone who really loved me and I wanted it to be planned. And I think I had built this, you know, entire, you know, dreamland of what I thought pregnancy was going to be. And then as the years went by and as we decided, okay, well, let's see what happens. And it wasn't happening. It gave me more of an opportunity to think about whether or not this was a step I wanted to take. And I really wanted to have more control over this next pregnancy or child that we were going to have. And it wasn't working out the way that I really wanted it to make happen. And I wanted to be able to have the power and control this time around to say whether or not I wanted this to happen. And so I think after a few years, you know, I really sat honestly with him and I said, you know, I just, I don't think this is what, what is right for us. And I don't think that my heart is really in it. And and one thing I can tell you is like, we're super passionate about our son. I mean, I'm sure you guys are super passionate about your children and we take parenting him and, and, and raising him to be a good man, to go out into the world and be a good man for others very, very seriously. And we know the work that goes into that. And so I don't think we, we felt that we had, you know, the energy and resources to be able to do that again. And so we said, you know, if we can't do this at a hundred percent, um, I love my, make-believe child enough that if I can't give them everything that I have, I don't want to do that, you know? And, and so that's kind of like, I still felt like I gave my future make-believe child, you know, that love to say, you know, I, I can't do that for you right now. So, you know, we're just going to, we're going to call it a day. I think the real reason is she was concerned that a child would be like me. <laughs> that too. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, that too. <laughs> the truth comes out. <laughs> <laughs> that did play a major role in the decision. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to handle his child. <laughs> would make those stories and be like, babe, are you ready to not be able to find your keys anywhere in the house? <laughs> can you can you go back to, you know, I know I know for me finding out I was pregnant and the supposed choices that are available to us. Um, how did you navigate that and what was that like for you? It's a great question. I've thought about that time in my life a lot. Um, and I think for a long time, I had this story that, you know, I, you know, got pregnant and I was trying to be, you know, the level headed person that I am and say, you know, this is probably not the right thing for me to do to, to carry on with this pregnancy. And my grandmother was passing away at the time, my mother's mom. And uh, this really did happen. My mom sat down with me. I told her that I was pregnant. And I said, you know, I just don't know that I should keep this child. I'm 18 years old. I want to go to college. I have these dreams. I was going to play volleyball in college. And she asked me to give her one life for another. And um, for a long time, I think I used that to say that that's why I made my decision. But to be quite honest, I think I didn't have the attention and love that I needed at that time. And I think when I was pregnant, I was really happy. I think I was, you know, I remember calling my mom and saying, 
I have a little something growing inside me, you know? So I think I had made the decision to keep him pretty early on, even though I, I think in my head, I was thinking this isn't the right thing to do. I should probably not keep him, but all along, I think he was meant for me from the beginning and I needed him and wanted him. And, um, but it's a hard thing to go through when you're 18 years old. You know, you know, I see our son at 20 and like, he has no idea <laughs> what he's doing with his life. But I think it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Obviously now looking back at it, I couldn't do anything any other way. The only thing I would, the only thing I would change. And I, and I'm very honest with Tommy about this to this day is if I could be promised the same child, you know, at the age of 26, you know, having him, then I would do that just because I don't I don't feel I was as good a mom at 18 as I could have been when I was a little older. And that's the only thing I would change. And that's more because of what I want, what I've always wanted to give him, right? I've always wanted to just give him the best. And I wish that I were an older, mature, um, more established in life mother to him than I was at 18 years old. That's the only thing that would change. Yeah, I think that um, I remember the, statement that says an unplanned pregnancy has no easy answers and that for sure is true and unfortunately I don't think we really think about the other side you know that if you choose to have your child you don't have a ton of support you know and so people want to rally around that topic a lot but I don't really think that's a decision that can be made by anyone other than that's in it in that moment and I'm sure this is true for you as it is for me is that, you know, I think my son saved my life, you know, like I had to get it together and I had to become something because someone depended on me. And I I don't think I would have as good a life as I do today if I had chosen something else. 1000%. 1000%. I believe that. I would probably have to say that your son saved my life as well because you know, I looked at the relationship very differently. It wasn't just, you know, a dating kind of relationship. It is a family. And, you know, there is a a little, little child's life here that is impacted, you know, by my actions and who I am and how I treat his mother. And, you know, it, you have to look at it very differently. And because of that, I, I think that, you know, I had to also grow up much, much faster. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's for sure. He definitely did like a a whole 180. I know when he started introducing me to his family and his friends, everyone was like, oh my God, he's like a different man. And <laughs> we never thought Nigro would ever. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's <laughs> Pete Vanderpool, especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's really awesome, Greg, to see kind of where you're at and you know, the responsibilities you've took it, taken on and to see the two of you so happy. Thank you. And right back at you, dude. Yeah. Like, it's so, it's so nice. Well, it's beautiful to see you. We haven't seen each other in 30 years, uh, yeah, right? something like that. So yeah. it's nice to see you. For those that are listening, we can actually see each other. So that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> this modern technology can be great yes, sometimes. it's wonderful to meet you, Gene. And, and you know, it, it's, you know, we see each other on Facebook and stuff like that. And I love what, you know, what you guys are doing and I'm happy, you know, to see that, but, you know, just kind of being in this space with you right now, has just been amazing. man. so I, I, yeah. I appreciate, you know, the kind words and, and I appreciate what you've done as well for, 
for your son. And so I feel like, man, dude, we were, we were together as fraternity brothers and here we are back again, kind of walking a similar path, man. I find it beautiful. What is it that your partner does that you know they love you? You go first. <laughs> <laughs> You've been going first the entire time. Ladies first. I think for sure the way, and, and this has been from like very, very early on, the way that he loves and parents and so passionate about our son's well-being and future and all things that fall under him. The way that he does that, I, you know, an issue at school or anything to do with his grades or anything with his athletics and things like that. He was always so, so passionate about it. It was really real. And, you know, as someone who was a single mom for so many years, you know, that you fantasize about someone loving your child the way that you love them but you know and you hear stories and you see families and you know that that doesn't happen all the time and so to be able to find that truly and to feel like this is his dad um that is the biggest way that I feel he loves I don't know if there's one thing I think that's multiple (laughs) things for me one she hasn't stabbed me so (laughs) I can take that to the bank. Um, (laughs) Yet, yet. Um, No, I think for me, you know, she does so many wonderful things. It's hard to choose one thing. But I think if I had to say one thing, she wants to make me the best man that I can possibly be. And so when you do that, do the right thing, you know, let people know that you care. There's this let, she lets me know that she cares about me and that she loves me in really trying to make me better. She'll, you know, if I'm doing something stupid or, you know, I am, you know, and and listen, that happens a lot. Or I've got the wrong perspective on something or maybe my my parenting, like, you know, listen, I'm not perfect. I may say something to Tommy in the heat of the moment where she'll come in and go, you're wrong. (laughs) And I'm going to be like, no, I'm not. How's that? And I'm like, all right, okay. Let's. Mechanism goes up and I let it down and we have a chance to talk. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Maybe you got a point there. Maybe I'm approaching these things not correctly. So, you know, I think that she cares enough and loves me so much that she wants to see me be the best that I can be. And, you know, that sometimes that's a hard conversation to tell somebody you love that, you know, they're screwing up or, you know, they're not perfect or, you know, they need to change in a particular way or approach something differently. She's not, you know, trying to, you know, like say I'm a bad person or anything like that. She's just trying to make me better. And when somebody cares that enough to have a hard conversation with you to make you a better person, to me, I feel most loved. Well, Greg and Natalia, we want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This has been a lot of fun for us. It's oh been gosh. fun for us too. Thank uh, you guys a massive so cry much. fest. <laughs> no, thank you guys so much too. I really am looking forward to being able to spend more time chatting with you guys, especially having, you know, identical really um experiences. Yeah. Um it's really beautiful being able to talk to other people who have gone through the same thing. And so I'm really excited to be able to sit down with you guys a little bit more in the future and um get to know each other a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, that will be that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be really be awesome. Yeah. You know, human beings have been sharing their stories since the beginning of time to bond and heal and grow. And we hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much.
I want to wholeheartedly thank you for joining us today and for listening to Couples Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs, such as the Couples Weekend Intensive and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this podcast, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Mm-hmm.